KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Jim Melwort. Monkeypox is now a global health emergency as cases continue to climb around the world. Public health officials worry it could become part of everyday life everywhere beyond just the current handful of countries. Here in the U.S., there are a lot of parallels to COVID. Testing was hard to find, it became more available, vaccine availability slowly increasing, and much like COVID, there's a lot of red tape and bureaucracy at the federal level that many public health officials feel is unnecessary. Some of that surrounds a treatment for monkeypox that appears to be effective, but compared to other countries like Canada and the U.K., the U.S. is way behind on clinical trials. When we hear conversations of monkeypox, they often come with a description of mild. It's rarely fatal, usually clears on its own in about two to four weeks, but mild is relative. Take Luke Brown, for example. He lives in Manhattan and recently talked to me about his experience. I asked him if he'd describe what he's gone through the past couple of weeks as mild. I I like to leave you with the good news here, which is that for lots of people, this is a mild disease. And um, that's probably one of the reasons this has been underreported is because for some people, this disease is so, so mild, you wouldn't have even go to get tested for it. But unfortunately, uh, and there is some pretty good emerging science out of the New England Journal of Medicine suggesting that up to 13% of cases in this outbreak result in hospitalization. Whatever has happened in the evolution of this particular virus and particular strains that are circulating in this one, it does appear to be more serious. The story I tell people is that I've had surgery many times. I've been in a car wreck. I've broken my wrist. I've had my wisdom teeth out. I've had COVID. I've had the flu. I've had mono. And this, the pain that I experienced doesn't even compare. I happen to be one of the unfortunate few, and we should really focus on the word few because not everybody has as severe as case as I did, but it does exist. I had a case that was so severe that I was on hydrocodone, I was on Vicodin, I was on gabapentin, I was on ibuprofen, I was on acetaminophen, and none of these drugs touched the pain. It was the most severe pain I've ever been in in my life for three straight days. And I eventually got access to this drug called TPOX, of which we have 1.7 million courses sitting in the strategic national supply, which is, I believe, controlled by the Department of Health and Human Services. And, you know, I and a few others had the misfortune of getting this thing in the very early days of the outbreak. I'm really encouraged by the progress I'm seeing made on access to this drug called TPOX. There's, there's been a lot of good work out of CDC and FDA, I think a little too late, in my opinion, but messaging from Rochelle Walensky about how the federal agencies that control access to TPOX are going to be implementing some procedural changes that make it easier for prescribers to access it. So, you know, my messaging really is to not panic that this is something um, we have a vaccine for, we have treatment for, and there are easy things you can start doing right now at home for free, like a skin check. Just do a skin scan, look for things that look unusual. You know, the joke I've been making to people is hey, the worst case scenario is you find something else on your skin that you should be talking to your doctor about. But there's really no need to panic about this. But to the extent you you think you're eligible for the vaccine, pay attention to the news for that. There are tons of vaccine doses for this thing coming. The vaccine is very effective and very safe. 
I got my first dose and I didn't have any adverse adverse reactions. It was very easy. And my personal message is that this can get really serious. And so get your vaccine, do your skin scans. If you think you're sick, talk to your doctor um, and we'll get through this together. The treatment for monkeypox is called T-pox. It's spelled T-P-O-X-X, official name Tecaviramat. You've probably never heard of it. It's designed to protect us against smallpox, which is eradicated. But we have more than a million courses in a national strategic stockpile in case smallpox made a comeback somehow. T-pox is showing promise in helping people with monkeypox for the same reasons it works against smallpox, but it's not easy to get. Luke is lucky. He had connections. Many people aren't that lucky. And let's be honest, medical treatment should be for everyone, not for the people with the best connections. I asked Luke what his experience was like. Yeah. So my process of acquiring T-pox was something I hope no one ever has to go through again. And I'm optimistic that access is expanding. When I was in the sort of peak amounts of pain, I posted a story on Instagram. I have, you know, probably two or 300 followers who are like me, gay men, and many of them have people, know people who are going through this. And I said, it was a desperate plea. It was a shot in the dark. I said, does anybody know how to access T-Box? And I got a text from a friend who said, hey, I know a guy who knows a doctor. And that's how I got connected to a doctor that can prescribe T-Box. I think this has changed, but at the time, I believe there were only three doctors in all of New York City um, for a, a, a city that has close to a half million people who identify as as uh, gay who were able to prescribe this even. So that's how I ended up getting access to T-Box. And you mentioned that it seems or that you're seeing reason to believe that it's getting better. Just kind of what, what have yeah. you seen kind of what's changed since you were able to get it to now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really hope that more people can get this drug earlier when they have the disease, because I really do think it can reverse it if you catch it early. I personally have watched some of the lesions that I have just sink back into my body. They've, I've been hour by hour, I can watch them disappear. Of course, that's anecdotal and not everyone will experience this drug the same way, but my pain levels are down considerably over maybe 48 hours. And I'm really optimistic about how fast this will accelerate my recovery. And when did you start taking it? You, you, you touched on a little bit there, kind of watching those lesions sort of disappear. Uh, when yeah. did you start taking it? When did you start seeing results? So I started taking it on <clears throat> Tuesday night and really by Thursday morning, I was starting to notice a difference. And of course, you know, I, I try not to dwell on the past and ships that have sailed, but I can't help but think about what, what, whether I would have been able to avoid all this pain if I'd been able to access this medication earlier. And when did you start experiencing symptoms? I began experiencing symptoms. Actually, my story really begins on Saturday the 9th. That is when I was one of a very lucky number of New Yorkers to get my first dose of the vaccine. So I received my first dose of the vaccine the evening of Saturday the 9th. And by this point, me and all of my friends are doing skin scans. You can do it for home for free. It doesn't cost you a thing. It's very easy. And on the evening of Saturday the 10th, I noticed uh, an unusual bump. That could be nothing. 
could be an ingrown hair, could be just dermatitis, could be anything, right? That's, I really emphasize that with people like, don't panic. People get bumps on their skin all the time. But I first noticed something odd on the evening of Sunday the 10th. And then walk me through the, walk me through the progression. So this is also really important. I don't know if it's been updated since, but the CDC website for this and many doctors who are encountering this disease may misdiagnose it because the disease progression in this outbreak deviates from what's documented in medical textbooks about how this disease is supposed to operate. So you're supposed to start with, and many people still experience this, by the way, you're, you're supposed to start with just generally feeling bad. You have a fever, you have a headache, you have some body aches and chills, very flu or COVID-like, right? Like you confu- you confuse the early days of this flu or COVID. You're supposed to then, a few days later, get lesions, which are these little bitty dots that grow over time. Uh, they may itch, they may burn. They may initially just look like a pimple or an ingrown hair. But in my experience, after about maybe 12 hours of it appearing, you can tell it's not something normal, which is why I've, I've been preaching a twice a day skin check. My disease course was I had a, I had a lesion and then it took three days for me to feel bad, which was very confusing. I had a lesion. It took me three days before I had a fever and body chills. I had a lesion. I had a fever and body chills three days later. And then I, um, and I, at this point I was still working I was working remote. I was kind of telling my coworkers like, yeah, I think I got exposed to this thing, but I don't feel bad. So I'm going to keep working. And then I got really, really bad on day seven or eight. I got a bunch of new lesions and just felt awful. And that lasted for about four days until I was able to get T-box. When you, when you talk about the pain and, and the discomfort, yeah. what's the pain? Is, is it the lesions? Is it internal? Is it the fever? Is it feeling crappy? Yeah. What is it that makes this so, so difficult to deal with? Typically, the most painful lesions are those that occur in sort of sensitive areas. Uh, though certainly, I've heard from friends who've gone through this that the lesions that appear on the rest of their body are also incredibly painful. The pain can come from a lot of different places and be really intense. How did you, how, how, how did you just exist? What, like, what were you? Yeah. I mean, the the way that I managed the pain, I I took, I attacked it from a few different fronts. I took whatever drugs I could, which did very little. And the second way I distracted myself was by learning as much as I could about this thing. I spent a lot of time on my phone, on my laptop, on the CDC's website, on the FDA's website, on PubMed, reading articles about about this virus and about the vaccine we have for it, Um, messaging friends and friends of friends and people I didn't even know who have formed this really great community of people who 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 have suffered and are fighting this on Instagram and Twitter. And so that's really how I, I dealt with the pain was distracting myself with reaching out to people from remotely from my little studio apartment um, and trying to feel like I had some control over it by knowing more about it and talking to people who'd been through the same thing. When, when you say you, you took it and you immediately started seeing things go away, 
obviously this is not a medical study and you know, there's, there's yeah. no control. Sure. But do you feel that it was definitely, it wasn't the timing of, uh, or the progression of, of symptoms that it was the, the T-pox hadn't had an effect. I'm confident that personally, I'm confident that T-pox has had a really meaningful effect on me being sick with this because the lesions, the little pock marks that are a result of this disease progress in a very documented sequence. Like we know exactly what these lesions are supposed to do. They go through distinct phases and mine aren't doing that. Mine are sinking back into my body. They are not going through the process of becoming scabs. And uh, there's, there's nothing else that I'm doing besides the T-pox that could possibly cause that. And I will say that, um, you know, my energy levels are up. My pain levels are down. It's possible that we were, ju I just caught the T-pox at the tail end of my, my episode with this. But um, because of the way the lesions are behaving, I really think that T-pox has had a, a big impact. Before I let Luke go, I asked him why he wanted to share his experience with everyone and what are the most important things he wants everyone to know. Don't panic. Do skin scans. They're free. You can give them at home. The worst thing that happens is you find something you need to talk to your doctor about anyway. If you qualify, get in line for a vaccine. If you think you've got this thing, start talking to your doctor about T-box. It's like really my hope that people will get to focus on the positive things here. And the only thing that my scary story does is prompt people to take action. One, get a vaccine. And two, if they get this thing, know that they don't have to suffer. They don't have to suffer. I suffered and no one else needs to. And there's some really encouraging progress we've been making. The CDC recommends vaccination for gay and bisexual men who either have a known exposure to monkeypox or have had multiple anonymous partners in areas where monkeypox is known to be spreading. Vaccination appointments can be scheduled in Philadelphia by calling the Department of Public Health hotline at 215-685-5488. The health department said Monday vaccines have also been provided to certain healthcare providers, including Penn Medicine, Drexel, the Mazzoni Center, and Philadelphia Fight to be provided to existing patients at high risk walk-ins are not available via those providers. It's recommended you be vaccinated up to 14 days after a potential exposure. Research indicates vaccination can prevent onset of the disease if done within four days of exposure. Vaccination after four days can reduce the severity of symptoms. I'm Jim Melwort. We'll have another episode of KYW News Radio in depth tomorrow. Listen on KYW News Radio 1039 FM at 9:30 or anytime on the Odyssey app. <laughs>